Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. I've got a great guest on today, Tyson Durfee, tie-down roper. We actually got connected through a, a mutual friend that we both know and admire and look up to. And I'll give you just a little bit of a backstory. The guy that we got connected through is a Mitch Siegel. He's the owner of FSR Cattle Company. And I met Mitch years ago when I was going through a uh, pretty tough time in my life. And uh, there was a lot of things that, that he really helped me with back then. And one thing that he, that he, that he did that has just stood out in my mind for forever uh, was, you know, I, I just, I had just lost about a million and a half dollars um, worth of personal wealth. And, and he told me we we're in a pickup and he told me, he goes, you know, Danny goes, you're a smart guy. He goes, and I, I'd really love to do something with you someday, you know, business wise. And at that time I was, I was young, young guy. And, and I just thought, I can't believe he's even saying this to me right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, the situation I was in, but it really resonated in, in, in just, I mean, it affected me uh, so positively. It, it's not even funny. And <clears throat> when I started, I mean, I followed Tyson's career for a long time watching rodeo and stuff, but, I saw, you know, some of the uh, stuff Tyson started posting and, and, uh, and just that he, he's just a, a force for good in the world, I, I believe, you know, not just the rodeo world, but everywhere. And uh, um, I just, uh, you know, admire that. You know, I know that, uh, um, you know, like he, he has told me, you know, we, we talked before uh, the show that, uh, you know, he looks up to, to Mitch as kind of a mentor too, and, and, and I do as well. And so I'm just excited to have him on the, uh, on the podcast. I just want to give a little, kind of a little backstory there. There's a whole lot more to that story, but um, let's just, uh, let's, let's get into this uh, interview this morning and talk to Tyson. Tyson, welcome to the podcast. Outstanding. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to to be a part of this. You know, I've actually never done a podcast before, so this is my very, very first one. I listen to a lot of them. Uh, I'm a big believer in them. So thanks for having me. Let's, let's get after it. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, that's, that's exciting. This is your first podcast. Yeah. I, I just uh, found out about podcasts. I mean, really got into listening to them a little over a year ago and I had no idea I'd, I'd have one. And it's kind of just been uh, directed by the Lord uh, the way it's, it's, it's kind of rolled out. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. So, you know, <clears throat> you, you know, everybody that listens to the podcast may not be, followers of rodeo or maybe just trying to get into it and 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 so let's just get, give us your background on how you got started in rodeo and just kind of go from there well you know for me it was kind of a just a family thing it's something that's been in my family for gosh you know 50 years maybe even longer my grandfather was not a rodeo athlete uh yet he was a cowboy he served on a committee there in Highmore, south dakota and this is going way way back my dad, he dreamed of being a calf roper. He dreamed of being actually a bull rider and a calf roper. And so that's what he did in the amateurs up there in South Dakota. He rode bulls and rode calves, and then he kind of found a calling training horses and doing that. And, and so uh, as he got older, uh, he rodeoed. He almost made the national finals a couple of times. Uh, he trained me to be an athlete, to be a rodeo athlete and a horse trainer. And I'll go and win uh, and be in the limelight and rodeo. And so that's the path that I took, but that's really how I got involved with rodeo. How I got involved was through my dad and my family. It's something that I truly believe in. It's something I love and, and I'm thankful for all the success that I've had. Yeah. And, and, and with the success, I know that you've, you know, had some struggles like everybody and have overcome a, a lot. Um, and, and then now you're, you're, you, I, I see you just spreading that message about perseverance, pushing through and facing your fears and just leveling up and, and, and just being a better, being a better person. So the people that you yeah. affect and the lives you affect can be better people. 
Well, you know, we all have our own sphere of influence and it's, and it's very important that you push to the limits of that sphere of influence. Like you have no idea the type of person that you may affect. You know, it may be a 10 year old kid right now who just looks up to you because you're the person that shows him a little bit of time. And 20 years down the road, that kid becomes a superstar. And so for me, I really want to maximize my sphere of influence. I mean, there's a lot of cool things that happened to me in my life, and I come from pretty much nothing. I mean, I grew up without food at times. I mean, we would go a week or two weeks without electricity when I, my parents got divorced and lived with my mom, you know, in our apartment complex in the city. And we'd go a couple weeks without electricity, and she'd burn candles and tell me we were camping, you know. Situations where you'd go hungry and you just sneak out and go to your buddy's house because you know they had food. I mean, that's crazy. You know, uh, when my parents got divorced, half of half of my life was the city boy that was riding skateboards and you know running the streets and and doing that. And then you know when I got to spend time with my dad, it was ranch cowboy. And so I really got to meet both sides of life. And part of the reason why I'm so passionate about spreading the word and doing this is I've seen so many avenues and forks in the road in my life where, man, honestly, I could end up dead or a drug addict or in jail or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I don't really keep in contact with the kids that I grew up with in the city, but I would, I would say that most of those kids went down the wrong path. And um, I'm thankful for my dad. You know, when I was 12 years old, I was in every learning disability class there was. I'd skip school left and right. My mom couldn't, you know, contain me. I was, she, I was the kind of kid that she'd get out the wooden spatula and she'd spank me with the wooden spatula. She'd break it over my butt and then I'd laugh at her. That's the kind of kid I was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what happened is I got a little older and she says, you know what? You need to go live with your dad because I can't control you. You know, I can't rein you in and I don't blame her. I went to live with my dad and, and dad, uh, he, my dad's a tough man. He was raised by a, a world war two vet that made it through Normandy beach on D day. Oh, uh, he was an original frog man. He was the first person to hit the beach that day. And very, very, I think it was like 8% or 9% made it out alive that day. So really tough and really strong. And that's how my dad raised me. Dad, he said, listen, son, you're going to get good grades and you're going to be on the honor roll. And if you're not, and if you don't, and I just kind of, you know, I just didn't really think he was that serious. You know, it's a typical kid. You're going to test it if you can. Right. And, uh, and he got me really good. And, uh, I, uh, you know, one of them deals where you couldn't sit down for a while. Boy, mister, it straightened me out right now. Uh-huh. And I, I noticed, you know, I believe in people's lives, there are different points of trajectory where you could make one decision, go one route. And then you can pay for that route and then go on and, and start to make the right choices and go win and, and not just win in the rodeo arena, but win in life, making the right decisions. And that was it for me. That was the point where I started the winning path Right. because I was for a while, I was so scared of my dad and I, and I think I was so scared that of, of getting, you know, whooped again that I was not going to make a mistake. I was going to apply myself to my freshman year of high school. When I ended out of all the learning disability classes, finally made it into regular class. And uh, the honor students had got to wear white, uh, white uh, tassels on their hat. And I was one of those guys. So I'm very thankful for that point of trajectory, how it shifted for me. Oh, that's amazing. And then <clears throat> when did you start? Uh, did you start rodeoing in high school then? No, I've, I roped every, pretty much my whole life, you know, uh-huh. as a little kid, I would, I would go, my dad trained horses. So he'd go riding through the pastures and the woods and stuff. And I'd be on my pony, you know, these are just breaking colts, breaking colts to ride. And he'd tell me stories about, you know, him riding with Jesse James and back in the day and, you know, robbing the banks and giving the money to the poor and all this stuff. And so that was, you know, I was always like a city boy cowboy for a huge part of my life. Really got focused with roping when I was about 12 or 13. That's when, that's when I really got focused and started pushing forward to, to go and make something out of myself. Yeah. And did you, and did you start out uh, roping calves or did you, did you, were you team roping or breakaway roping? Well, you know, 
oddly enough, I think I'm like most kids. I really wanted to be a bull rider. That's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to ride bulls. And so, uh, you know, I seen pictures of the wall of dad riding bulls and I just thought that seemed like a real tough, cool thing to do. And so I started out riding steers and rode some steers and, and, uh, and dad sat me down and he said, son, it's, it's time for you to make a decision. You need to, you need to really pick something and go at it hard. And at that point, it was just a natural transition for me because my brothers roped, my dad roped, um, you know, we always had two or three guys around there roping. And so roping was the way I went. Yeah. And then, and then you did, so you competed all through uh high school rodeo, you say? I did. Yeah. I competed mostly in amateur rodeo. I started okay. out breakaway roping. And then when you, uh, turn 15, you have to tie down with the, with the grownups. So breakaway, I tied down. I also did high school rodeo. Um, but as a as a high school kid, I would go to probably fifty to sixty rodeos a year just through the summer. Man. And uh I when I was sixteen I started buying my own truck and my own trailer and and uh excuse me, my mom gave me my truck. She gave me the first one. And I bought my trailer and and I was off. I just went rodeoing from sixteen on a rodeo by myself. But uh but at the start it was all amateur and all high school rodeo and got a lot of cool memories from that. Yeah, that's great. And then when uh, when did you when did you get your uh, your PRCA card? Uh, Two thousand and three. I just turned nineteen. Uh, is when I bought my PRCA card. And then um, did you did you make it to the national finals the first year? First year? No, I didn't. Yeah, uh, first year was a real struggle for me. I I uh, I went rodeoing in two thousand and three, uh -huh, but uh, I rodeoed all over the first. The first two rodeos I entered were Indianapolis, Indiana, and Portland, Oregon, and they were about four days apart from each other, five days apart. So, I uh, I just looked at the map and I thought, oh heck, that's only about twelve inches on the back. And so, little little did I know, it took me forty four hours of driving and and a snowstorm, and is one of those deals where I I got out to the west west coast and I'm like, where in the heck am I at? Because I'd never seen anything like a mountain like that or been out there much. And national finals that year. I, uh, I think I missed the finals by maybe 15,000 or 20,000 or something like that. Um, and I pretty much wasted my life savings. I saved all through high school and shoeing horses and training horses. And I blew it all that first year rodeo and wound up flat broke, uh, at the end of the year with one horse and no money and an old trailer. <laughs> oh man, man. So then you cracked out the next year and things went a little bit better? Actually, no, no, I quit. Oh, I, uh, I quit. Yeah, I quit. I didn't have any money and I was, broken. you know, I, I felt like a real disappointment to my friends and my family, you know, especially to my dad. I felt like, you know, I failed now. It was over for me and, you know, I gave it, didn't work out. Well, if I only had the wisdom then that I have now, I could have, could have steered a lot of heartache. Right. I uh, I started a welding business and I welded for a year and a half. And, uh, we built fence and did wrought iron, uh, hand railing and decorative fencing and stuff. So that was one of the things I did to make money. So I sold that business to my partner, and uh, it's kind of funny. It's the first business I'd sold, and I sold him all the equipment, everything. Uh, he took it over. There was a little bit of debt, but not much. And after it was all said and done, I think I made 10 grand on the deal. And I thought, well, you know, 10 grand, you know, I'd saved a little bit, you know, off the paychecks. I thought, well, let's go sell a, a couple horses and, you know, that'll give me like probably 20, 25 grand to go try to make it again, rodeo. And so I do that. I got a little bit of cash. I have a stock trailer and an old pickup and a couple of horses. And I go out and I move to Washington State because I, I had met a guy out there that I was that I really liked, and I uh, his name was Fred Brown. His nickname was the Giant Killer because he beat some guys in, in match ropings, and and it was kind of fairly well known throughout our business. And uh, I packed up bags, moved from Missouri to Washington to to work for Fred. And um, the funny thing about it is, is you know I go up there and I work for him for a couple of months, and I think I was making after taxes, maybe like 
$1,400 a month. And I was riding, you know, seven or eight horses and building fence and just working, you know, 16 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And I worked for him for three months. And I told him, I said, Fred, this ain't worth the crap. I said, I, uh, I said, uh, you know, I, I'm done. I'm not going to work for it anymore. I said, what I'll do is I'll do everything you want me to do. I'll do all the work. I'll build all the fence. I'll ride all the horses, but I want opportunities. That's what I want. I want opportunities. I don't want to be an employee. And so that was the last, he kind of chuckled and laughed about it. And that was the last day he paid me. And, uh, the funny thing that happened was he said, you know, you really need to go rodeoing hard. And I said, well, you know, I want a rodeo, but I just, you know, I need to have some more money. He's like, well, you can't dig yourself in a too big a hole. He said, you're young. Uh, you've got nothing tying you down. You really need to go rodeoing because no matter what hole you dig yourself in now, you can pull yourself back out pretty fast. And uh, that's what I did. So I, I went rodeoing again. I lost all my money, wound up living in the backseat of my truck. Uh, at the last, the final straw, I ended up in Canada with... I think I had about $255 to my name and I'd spent all the, the money that I had. And the, the other thing I had, was credit cards and credit line at that time. I had maxed that out completely to about 25,000 bucks. Oh man. Yeah. And I'm sleeping in the backseat of my truck and I am so upset. I'm just crying. Like it's, you know, just thinking about the situation that I'm in and how I've lost everything twice trying to rodeo and make it and I'm in tears <clears throat> and so I call my dad and we'd had a pretty rocky relationship at this point we we were pretty we we just didn't get along at that point but I called him because I knew he had my back but then he said well <clears throat> he said if you need anything I'll, I'll help you out or you know just really focus on the basics and make the runs that you know you need to make you got one more chance you're there anyway you might as well try and then I called Fred and he kind of gave me the same speech and I went out that next day and I was seven, I think I was seven, eight or seven, nine, ended up <clears throat> winning third in that round. I won like fifth in the second round and second in the average. I won close to 5,000 at that rodeo. Oh, man. <clears throat> and for the rest of that season, I, uh, I went to, I think about 30 rodeos for the rest of that season in Canada. I was wound up in Canada. This is 2006. I placed at 19 out of the 21 that I went to to finish up the season. And it was the rest is history. Won the Canadian championship, um, first American to ever do that at that point. <clears throat> and then I made the national finals the next season. And then I just was rolling ever since. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And then um, you ended up, you won the world in 2016, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep, yeah, 2016. Yes, sir. And and then you also had a, a pretty bad injury at one point too. Uh, didn't you? You broke. Didn't you break your leg? Or yeah, I've had some injuries. Uh, you know, I'm just. I feel f thankful that I haven't had any career-ending injuries or any major, major ones. I shattered my ankle and broke my leg um, when I was 18. It took me seven months to come back from that. I tore a knee up one year in one season. You know, I broke both my collarbones. I took the end off one finger, knocked my teeth out. Just a little bit, a lot of little, like most that has really been a major career, and I'm thankful for that. I feel like God's just kind of had his hand over my back the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And then <clears throat> as far as the sport of rodeo, I mean, it's it's evolving and changing, and, and just it, it seems like it's just getting so much better. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that and, and the direction it's headed now? I'm really optimistic. You know, I think George Taylor is doing a good job as commissioner uh, for the CEO for the PRCA. I like how he's collaborating with the American and he's really working hard to try to get some of those big rodeos back to the RCA. And I like that. I think it's something that we need to do. And there's going to be a lot of change and there's going to be a lot of reform. And, you know, the bad thing about Cowboys is we don't like change very much. We like to do the same thing over and over and not change. And the problem with that is the world changes around you and then, and, and then you're forced to do it. Yeah. And so I'm really excited with the changes coming up. I mean, there's going to be probably some new rules put in. There's going to be some probably taken away. Um, I think it's, I think if we're ever going to sell on a mass scale, we need to simplify it for the fans to follow. Cause right, right now it's just entertainment. It's just watching a guy rope a calf fast and be six 
or it's just a guy getting his head knocked in by a bull and it's just entertainment. What I like and what I want are people that actually follow the sport like any other sport out there, you know, dedicated fans that will buy, you know, a cap that says Shane Hanchy on it or, you know, right. somebody that will buy a shirt that has Sage Kimsey on it because it says Kimsey or whatever, you know, I mean, that's what I look for. I don't know if in my time frame if I'll see that, but I want that for the sport. You know, I think it's imperative that we get that so we can grow and we got to reach new demographics. I don't know how we do that exactly. It's probably through media, social media, TV rights, uh, other things like that. But we have to reach new demographics. We have to get people who aren't rodeo fans right now to want to watch and follow the sport because of the excitement. Right. And, you know, I, I think a, a, a great demonstration of that is, is the PBR, what they've done. Um, I think they've done kind of like, just like what you said, uh, you know, they've, they've really created these fans that follow the sports and follow the athletes. And uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful too. I, I can see that happening rodeo as well. I, I think like you said, I don't know, you know, when that will happen, but uh, I think that it's the sports, I think the sports growing, I think it's growing in a, in a good direction. And, and, and again, I'm not a, you know, professional rodeo guy, but I'm a professional fan. So, um, yeah, I like, I like what I'm seeing and seeing guys like you that are really making an effort to give back and to, and, and like you say, just not be an old cowboy that doesn't want to change. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I I think that's that's going to help. That's so true. You know, it's, and I believe I'm a firm believer that Zig Ziglar, I follow Zig Ziglar's career. I've got several of his his sales uh, strategy CDs. And one of the things that he said that really stuck to me is he said, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Absolutely. And I am a firm believer in that. And that's the thing about me that I just, I've kept all this motivation and this stuff bottled inside me for so many years. I felt like it was just screaming out my ears trying to get out. Right. And I couldn't get it out because I didn't really have a platform. And, you know, for a while it was just putting little motivation deals on a picture or whatever and posting that. And then it, and I was like, man, you got a voice, you know, you got a voice, you got to use it, you know, yeah. people look up to you, people, you know, maybe not the athletes that you're competing against, but the young kids that are coming up, like if you can give them a word of encouragement or something to help them get what they desire, then what I want will happen. Yeah. And, um, so I just, I, I couldn't keep it bottled inside. I really wanted to not just uh, change who I was as an athlete, but I'm hoping that what I'm doing right now will help change the minds of some of these other roadie athletes and in return, you know, change the sport for the better. You know, more guys, more big guys with voices like mine that aren't afraid to get on camera and tell them, you know, tell them their story or what they went through and how they made it and the struggles they went through and the fights they had to do, you know, because it's not easy. Mm-mm. You know, most of the guys that, that, rodeo and make the national finals that look really glamorous are i mean barely getting by yeah like barely paying their credit cards off every month especially the time event guys because every horse we look at they want a hundred thousand dollars for right you know yeah and so it's a it's a really tough struggle i'm i'm i will tell you that for me if i would have known the struggle that i had to face before i started i'm not sure i ever could have done it yeah. <laughs> you know, so- I really am not, I don't think I could have, you know, I just took it one step at a time and wherever that stairway took me, I just kept climbing, you know? Yeah. It's funny. You said that. Um, cause I, I heard Tony Robbins say one time he'd uh, asked a bunch of, uh, people in his, in his circle, you know, if they knew what it was going to take to build their business and be successful, would they have ever done it? And many of them said, no, I wouldn't even, attempted it but that's the cool thing about it you know like i'm a huge tony robbins fan yeah i've uh i've been to some of his stuff i've I've been i've actually been like five feet in front of him with him giving a speech to a room full of thousands of people and it was really a funny moment because i'm like you know fangirling out here right right and he's standing right in front of me and he's pointing at me and he's saying his deal and tony's really like inspirational and he's like six foot seven and he's huge and he's got big teeth you know and he just has a way of like just pulling it out of you. And I'm like, and so I got my phone and I'm right beside me and I like lift my phone up, like kind of underneath my chin. And I take a picture of him, like with his hand pointed straight at me. And, uh, it was so cool. 
I mean, it was one of the coolest experiences of my life, but I'm a huge fan. And that's the one thing I'll tell you, like <clears throat> people think they got to get through this struggle alone. Right. Like that is not the case. They don't have to get through the struggle alone. They can find people to, even if you can't even connect with them, like envision, envision this person that you want to become and just think of like what I do. And this it might sound crazy, but I've got all these like little mental tricks that I use in my mind to keep me pointed the right direction because mm-hmm. I understand my mind. I've really, really broke down the way I think. Mm-hmm. I would say like, if I'm really sucking it up and things are going crap and I'm, you know, drawing bad cattle and stuff. And I'm like, well, what would Tony Robbins tell me? Like literally if I had a pocket Tony Robbins right. and he lived in my pocket and he was there all the time and I pulled him out and said, Hey Tony, what would you tell me? What would he say? And I know Tony good enough. I know what he would say. And I'd use those words to keep moving towards the path that I want, that greatness that I want. And I'm constantly finding new inspiration from people. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a guy named Ed Milet right now that is just rocking my world. He is unbelievable. He, he does a lot of podcasts and stuff and he's an extremely successful businessman that just wanted to get into the personal development space and he doesn't charge for anything and it's all free and he puts it out there on social media and YouTube and podcasts and it's just mind blowing Yeah, listening to their stuff and really listening to them is what got me to, you know, six months ago was, was getting me to actually putting my face on a camera and speaking the words that I felt like I had to. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's funny. Social media gets a bad rap. A lot of times they say we're on our phones too much and this and that, but I think social media, it's like any other tool and it, it's, it's changed my life and what, and what I'm doing yeah. and I'm going. And it, just like you say, there's, there's a guy that, that I started listening to uh, Mike Dillard, uh, self-made man. He's got a podcast and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, the, 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 your ability to connect with people and, and learn and, and grow is just, it's unparalleled to what it's ever been in the history of man. And uh, yeah, I, you are so right about that. We should go to new heights. I mean, things should really get a lot better for society and, and move forward. It's a tool. Yeah. Like media, Media is a tool. It's like nothing else. You can take that hammer and you can hit somebody with it yep. or you can drive the nail into the wood. What are you going to do? Yep. Social media is the same way. Yep. Like most people just want to spew their like hate or their feelings or whatever on, on social media. But I'm like, man, I can use this to lift up some kid that's 14 years old that just, you know, was having a hell of a time. Maybe and it's his family life or, or whatever. Uh, can I use that for that? Yeah, I can. So, hey, let's go do it. Yeah. And, and it, I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about, uh, you know, the big, uh, the big media, um, giants, you know, on, on TV and, and they're, they're saying that that's going to be a dinosaur before long, just because of all the other avenues that people can consume content and, you know, and, 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 and everything's so transparent now, you know, so when, when, yeah. certain, when certain media outlets are being paid to try to feed people, uh, you know, a message certain. that they want, yeah, yeah. That they want them to know, um, you know, sooner or later, you know, that, that curtain's going to come down and, and people are, are smart enough to realize that, Hey, this is, this is just a game they're playing. And, uh, so I, I think it's great, man. Yeah. I, think, I think what you're doing is great. Yes, sir. Well, I'm excited in this. Uh, I just, I love personal development. Yeah. Like coming from every learning disability class there was like, I couldn't read, I couldn't add, I couldn't do anything because I didn't apply myself to graduating with honors. Uh, I speak two languages fluently. I'm working on my third. Uh, I love just reading and developing and growing and, and doing all this stuff. And, and it's just like, I don't understand why more people don't do that. Right. I just really don't. I think they have like little mental hurdles that say, well, this person said this about me, so I'll never be able to do it. Right. You know, or whatever. And I don't like, I hate stereotypes. Yeah. I really do. Like, uh, if just because I'm a cowboy doesn't mean that I am only going to eat meat and potatoes, though I do like meat and potatoes. Right. You know, last night I had salmon and rice. Right. Or just because I'm a cowboy doesn't mean I can't hang out with uh, a certain type of person. You right. know. Right. I I just I just hate barriers, and I think I think I have a really unique childhood growing up half you know half kind of in a inner city environment and then half in the country. I think that's a pretty unique way and to grow up and uh, I can kind of connect with both groups of people. 
Yeah. And uh, I really see that the inner city environment needs cowboy uh, mentorship and cowboy ethics and showing them that there is a whole nother life out there instead of the, the drugs and the alcohol and the womanizing and the single parent homes and all that stuff. You know, I just think that there's so much more we can do as cowboys to help other people that, and I'm passionate about it. Yeah. Like literally at times I think about it for five hours straight, you know, not even going somewhere else. Like how can I, how can I help or how can I change, you know, this person's view of our lifestyle or how can we just imprint on them a little bit, but it's, it's exciting. You know, I'm just so thankful that, that God, you know, I'm a Christian. My faith yeah. is in Jesus Christ a hundred percent. Um, but I just feel like God's leading me this direction. That's what I really want to do. You know, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast and, and, and called it modern cowboy is, uh, I'm 60 years old. Yeah. I, and I came to a point in my life where I, I just, I didn't want to be one of them, one of them guys at 60 years old and going, well, these young people don't know this. They don't know, you know, we used, to, we used to do it this way. And it's, it's like, and everybody talks so bad about like millennials. Uh, well, there's some millennials. I got a yeah. lot of millennial yeah. friends that are, that are doing amazing, great things to help mankind. And so I just, I just decided that, you know, I wanted to do like, just like what you're talking about. And it's funny because when I was younger, I never thought that way in terms of like wanting to really help people. I always thought people just wanted to make money. And I, I used to do everything. Yeah. To, I, I, used to do every, I used to do everything just to make money. That's not the point. And my, my whole, my whole focus now is to really, is to be able to help people. So, and that's the purpose of this podcast. And, and that's why guys like you, I, I'm just so excited to have you on and, and have you, you know, talk about this because it, uh, uh, it, it does. I, uh, you are so spot on with that. And I just want to elaborate on that one statement. You said, you know, these, I hear this statement all the time. Hold this. I've heard it since I was a little kid. Like these kids, they, you know, they do this in this generation or millennials or whatever. And like, I'm screaming inside my mind. I'm like, you guys created us. Yeah. <laughs> we learned from you. You created us. Yeah. How can you say that when you created us? Yeah. Like we learned by watching you. You let us do the things we do. Like if a kid's not acting right, it's because of the way his parents allowed him or her to do that. And and I'm like, man, how can you sit there and say that these kids these days don't know anything when you created the type of kid that's sitting in front of you? Yep, exactly. And I just love that that you brought that up. I just, literally, man, I got goosebumps when you said that. Like, <laughs> and I and I scream that in my mind all the time. I just and I don't confront every person that says that, but it's the truth, man. Yeah. It really is. And I, and I believe in living with the truth. And uh, you're so right about that. You know, millennials, yes, we have our downfalls. I'm a millennial. Mm -hmm. Maybe we spend too much time on social media. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, maybe some of us are soft and are afraid to work. But you know what? It's not too long. It's not too late to, to turn the page and start a new direction or change the trajectory. You know, like you said, I think millennials are one of the most caring groups in American history. Yep. You know, we're, we really are avid for change. We want to help you know, people and make sure that, uh, certain people have enough food on the table and help. So yeah, we have our downfalls, but so does every other generation. I think that, uh, with the amount of knowledge that's in front of us with Google and all these search engines and, and, and just, I mean, literally anything that you ever could want as far as knowledge is at the tip of your fingertips. And it's usually for free. We should be the <laughs> smartest, sharpest, most intelligent generation on the face of the planet. Yep. You know? Yep. So I just love what you're saying, man. I love the title Modern Cowboy. It's so true and it's so cool. It's such a neat thing. And I, I'm, I'm so happy that you asked me to be a part of it today. I, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad that you uh, agreed to come on. And, and it's funny when I because I, I kind of believe in my heart that everybody kind of looks at the, the cowboy as an iconic figure. And somewhere in, in everybody's heart and soul somewhere, they had just have this vision of one time riding, you know, horseback. You yeah. Know. It's, it's, it's just that, that whole deal. And, and when I decided to start the podcast, I was actually went to a, a big event in uh, Huntington Beach. <clears throat> it was a uh, leadership, business leadership uh, course. And there was 257 men from 17 countries there. And I was staying at this wow. It was a really nice hotel. There was a magazine in there, and it was called Modern Luxury. And on the cover was a guy who was uh, dressed um, kind of half cowboy, half country, but he had a shirt on. 
And on the front of the shirt, there was a cowboy riding a horse, swinging a rope, chasing another horse. And I looked at that and I, and I said, modern luxury. And I said, no, modern cowboy. And that's when I got the name for it. But the, my point is, is that, you know, here and, you know, this was just 2017 and, and this magazine, you know, is, you know, showing this, this image of a cowboy and, and, I, and it just really clicked with me that, that that's, uh, it's, it's such a, it's just such an iconic thing in our, in our culture and not just our culture, the world. Um, I, I'm just excited doing what I'm doing and being able to, you know, have guys like you come on and, and, and share and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just exciting time. Well, I just want to challenge you and, and, and challenge you to keep pushing the great really to just keep trying to find the right guys to help spread that message. And, um, really you are so true as a cowboy, we're pretty much in the heart and mind of every human being on the face of the planet, mm-hmm. uh, for an image of good. I mean, the great, you know, actors like Clint Eastwood and John Wayne. I mean, I, I used to watch all of John Wayne leaning back into the early thirties and they're black and white and you couldn't even hardly hear anything. And it, it's just, they've imprinted that on, in our mind. And, you know, if you ever need a connection, like if I can help you in any way, you know, to get some like really, you know, upper echelon cowboys, I will do it, man. If I need to make an introduction, I will do it. I just want you to keep pushing, you know, keep pushing and keep putting that good content out there for the people to consume. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. We're getting close to the end, end of our time here, but, uh, I just want to, I want to just talk about, you know, you know, your event and what you do in rodeo because calf roping is, I've always thought one of the coolest things I've, I've never calf rope. I actually started training a little bit. I had a really good horse that actually Mitch ended up buying mm-hmm. for me back then, but I had a little good horse that was a calf horse, but I, I started training just a little bit in terms of like getting off and, you know, do some rope, but I never really roped calves and roped and tied me, but, um, just kind of take us through a little bit about preparing for a run, you know, making the run all the, all the gear and everything you got on there. I mean, like I've said before, you kind of look like a, you know, a, a knight riding in on that horse, especially, especially when you, you know, you got an extra rope, you got your jerk line, you got, you know, neck rope, you got all that stuff. And it, it just looks so, so cool. It just, you know, tell us a little bit about, about that. Yeah. So I'll give you a quick rundown. So my event is a calf rope and or uh, called the tie down roping as well. I back into uh, a square-shaped box. I run out of the box. I'm chasing the calf. I rope the calf, spin him around, jump off my horse, uh, run to the calf. I flip him, and then I tie three legs together with what's called a pig and string, and I put my hands up. So if you do that right and you're at the right environment, you can do that, you know, as quick as six, a low six-second run to, you know, ten. just depends on what the setup is and the type of cattle you're open. So it's there's a lot of things. So calf ropers actually have several ropes they use. They use one in their hand that they swing and they, they rope the calf with or lasso the calf with. They have one in their belt. It's called a jerk line. And it goes from your belt to the bit, which is on the horse's mouth, and then back up to the saddle horn or from the, to the saddle. And so what happens is um, it actually pulls on the bit as you jump off the horse. And uh, – that helps the horse back up while you're running to the calf because the horse is actually completely on his own and has to work by himself. The main thing that's helping you complete your run. Uh, we also have a pig and string in our mouth and it tucks into our belt as well. And that is what we use to tie the calf with. So it's a, it's a, it's known as a technical event of rodeo just because there are so many ropes and, and so many different things that we use to make it work. Uh, on top of that, we have a neck rope that holds the rope tight to the horse's neck we have uh protective boots on the horse on their front feet and on their legs and on their back feet um as well as you know uh a lot of baby powder <laughs> <laughs> most most cowboys have like this black hat which is a ton of baby powder all over it um but it's really fun you know it's speed agility it's athleticism it's teamwork um and it's a hell of a lot of fun i'm not gonna lie it's really exciting when it's done right um, but it's, it's one of those sports that is, that's, you know, I, I don't know how many guys there are in the country that do it. Maybe, maybe three or 4,000, but it's a lot of fun and, and fans really love it. I think there was a reason that back, you know, years ago, calf roping was the fan favorite, you know, event at the national finals when you had guys like when you had Cody and Fred Whitfield and Joe Beaver and, you know, tough Cooper and me, and it's just, we really, really enjoy what we do and it's a lot of fun and, and hopefully we can inspire some people to be calf ropers as well. When you're backing in the box at the NFR, 
how, how's your mindset? I mean, you got your adrenaline running. Uh, you probably know the calf a little bit. Do you have a process you go through in your mind when you're back in there? Or do you go do yeah, you so auto, on autopilot? Well, I mean, I don't believe in going on complete autopilot. Um, there are techniques and forms and certain things that you do that you should just know them and memorize them so well that you just happen under reaction. Mm-hmm. But for me, I really lock in and get in my zone. Like as I turn my horse around in the box and, and there's about two and a half hours of preparation leading up to this one point that could last just a few seconds. So don't forget all that preparation as well. But so when I'm, when I turn around and I'm backing my horse up to get him in the, you know, in the box, I'm really zoning in on that point on the calf. I'm zoning in on that neck rope. And I am like so focused that I shouldn't be able to hear anything like the outside world shuts off to me. Mm-hmm. And if, and if, and, or it should, sometimes I'm not focused and, and certain things could lead to that non-focus. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's doubt, right. you know, but I should be so mentally focused that when I turn around and I'm back in the corner, I'm so focused on that point. It's like the world is oblivious to me and what I'm doing. Right. I'm not thinking about, I'm not thinking about what the crowd's saying. I'm not thinking about what the announcer's saying. I'm not thinking about what's going anywhere else. I am so focused. It's almost like it's a tunnel and I'm only focused on that point. Especially when I nod my head, everything is oblivious. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't hear anything in the outside world. I don't hear anything like it's, I'm so zoned in yeah. when I'm making my run. It doesn't happen all the time, but I try to be so focused that I can create a zone and it's almost like time can stand still. Yeah. Um, when I won the world in 2016, I know I was back in the corner and I had to win. Uh, when I made that run, it was so amazing to me. It was the biggest zone I'd ever been in my life. I nodded. Uh, I got a pretty good start, just a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. But as I'm swinging my rope, I'm like, my mind is going crazy. Like, it's like, all right, I'm going to place my rope right here. And I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting off the horse and everything just like in slow motion. And the calf ran to the left. Uh, and I, I was able to, you know, I was like, oh, the calf's moving to the left. I need to just change my feet position. And I did it, you know, in a yeah. split, split instant. And then I was a little behind on my flank. I'm like, all right, so you're a little behind on your flank. You've got him clear, but now we need to change our feet position. We're high. It's just a little bit different than what we normally do. And so it's almost like I'm in such a zone or it was in such a zone that moment that time stood still, but my mind was moving faster than time. Yeah. And uh, when it's done right, when you're in your zone and you're focused, that's really the way it's done. Uh, I've heard Jordan talk about that. I've heard other athletes talk about that. I'm, I'm thankful that I can get that sometimes. I can't get it all the time. Normally for the, for the bigger events where the mo- chips are down, the money's up, and world titles are on the line, that's when I can really dial it in. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's only happened, you know, it doesn't happen every time, but it's probably happened, you know, a dozen times to me in, you know, pressure, pressure situations. But that's really where my focus is and what's happening in my mind when I'm making a run. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, Hey Tyson, we're getting close to the end of the time here. Let's, uh, do you, do you, do you have a, I don't know if you have a cowboy hat sponsor or do you have a favorite brand cowboy hats that you like? Uh, well, you know, I, my hats I wear right now are JW Brooks. Uh, okay. I don't have a hat sponsor by any way, by any means, but I, I like JW's hats. Okay. He, he's actually from Arizona originally and he, he's been, been wearing his. I, I have one American hat, but most of the time I wear JW's. Very cool. And then how about boots? Well, I have my own boot line through Corral Boots, and uh, it's called the TD Performance Line. You'll, they're hard to find right now because we sold out of the first run, but we've got some really cool new designs that are coming out. Just, you know, check my Facebook, check my social media. Uh, I'll be talking about them and letting people know, but I, I I remember that now. I I remember seeing something on that. How long ago did you get that uh, get that going? Well, uh, the boots have been available for almost a year now. Okay. And uh, we we made a run. We thought would carry us through a full year. Uh, we we pretty much sold out of all of them. So we were and we're a little short of the year. So I guess that's a good thing. But um, 
we've been working on those. They've been in stores almost a year, and I've been working on them for about three years, actually. Okay, very cool. So it's been it's been a long, long little 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 struggle, but we've we've got the designs out there, and they're moving forward. We also have a belt buckle company, Shea Michelle Buckles. Oh, really? And uh, we do a lot of belt buckles for associations. We have a few hundred rodeo associations that order their buckles from us, and we do a lot of uh, you know intricate design work for individuals if they want something custom as well you can check that out on instagram or facebook or send an email and what, what was uh, the shay michelle shay michelle? Uh, shay michelle buckles it's just my wife's first and middle name okay and um a lot of people know about that we have a lot of other business ventures as well but really right now at my age i'm focused on trying to be the best calf roper i can be for the time i have left and and uh then we can do as much business as possible later on yeah. What, uh, what do you, what are you looking at in terms of you think finishing up your, your career? I mean, you, you going to keep going for quite a few years or. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I can honestly tell you, I'm not going to go for quite a few more years. Uh-huh. I, I've always wanted to be a guy that, you know, and I'm not saying I wouldn't, I'll probably rodeo for the rest of my life, right. you know? Um, but I have, you know, have a beautiful daughter and we want to grow our family and, and have a, you know, we want three kids. And, um, I don't know, you know, my goal, my goal is to win two world championships. Um, I set that a while back and I'm in a real position to do that now. So we'll see what happens. I can't, I can't commit to say, Oh, I got 12 months or two years or one year or whatever, but I think the Lord will make it clear to me when it's time to, when it's time to move into the next chapter of life. Yeah. Hey, what do you, do you have a favorite cowboy movie? Uh, the Cowboys, John oh, Wayne, all time okay. favorite. Yeah. It's, it's so, so, I mean, there are so many of them, but I watch, I grew up watching that as a little kid wanting to be one of those guys riding with John Wayne. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's actually pretty cool that I know one of the guys that did ride with John Wayne in that movie, Clay <laughs> O'Brien Cooper. I know. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I've, I've known Cleo for like probably 10 years and we've talked a little bit, but I, I have so many of these questions I want to ask them in my mind. That I just haven't yet because, uh, you know, he's Cleo's such an amazing athlete, but he's not ever going to take credit for any of it. You know, he's just such a humble man. Yeah. Um, I, I almost probably have never met a more humble human being than him. And uh, but anyway, that's my favorite movie. He's a great athlete and was awesome in that movie as well. Well, hey, um, I'll, I'll be sure in, in uh, put links to uh, TD performance boots from Corral. We'll do the. Uh, Michelle yep. buckles and stuff. And then, uh, also JW Brooks hats. I've, I've seen them around on social media too. That's, uh, very, very, yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, sure. Man, I sure appreciate it. And like I said, if you ever need a connection with any of the other Cowboys, let me know. I have most everybody's phone number. If I can help you out anyway, I'll do it. I, I appreciate it, Tyson. Hey, I want I want to thank you again for coming on and, um, just look forward to, you know, watching your, your career and, and, uh, and just watching you and, and seeing where you go even after your career. And, and maybe one of these times we're out here in Arizona or I'm down there in, in Texas uh, to meet in person. Hey, you know, we might have to do one of these outreach programs one of these days and share the cowboy culture with the rest of the world, you know, the world that doesn't get to see it all the time. I, I'd love to do something with you or meet you in person you Absolutely. Know, and, and get to know you better. I really believe in what you're doing, my friend. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, um, we'll be just, uh, we'll be watching you as you go down the road and, and getting ready for the finals here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care and God bless. Yeah, you too. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer. Saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler. I'd drive that old back road until it ends at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs, $20,000 horses, then there's my own stick. Although we're all the same, the minute we ride in to the rope and pin. Hey,
never can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn a few steers And we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle And philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money You were always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pain And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack You can back it up Oh, but we're all friends no matter who wins, down at the rope and pain. Well, I ain't no play or speed. But I give her hell, hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn another pin of steers, tell a few more lies. Drink another beer and hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at.